This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And now, Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. I grew up in a household where the term mammary gland was used all the time. <laughs> Any of the scientists here, you'll know what that means. You know, hormones, hormones, it was always, that was part of the conversation at the dinner table. This has been Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. Stu does America. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. Promo code is Stu. Join Blaze TV. Please do so. You'll save 10 bucks. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video right now. Follow the show. Click the bell. Do all the things. Alex Stein is here to tell us about his encounter with some Penn State lefties. The midterms continue to look worse and worse for the Democrats, but we start by doing the Fetterman disaster. What else could we be talking about today? Has anyone ever seen anything like it? Let me give you a quick picture of what it was like for people in Pennsylvania. We will start it with one of the first things we heard while we're watching this debate. One of the first things said by John Fetterman, this is how he opened up the evening. What qualifies you to be a U.S. senator? You have 60 seconds. Hi. Good night, everybody. I'm running to serve Pennsylvania. He's running to use Pennsylvania. Maybe he meant good evening. I, I don't know. That, it, it got worse from there. And we're going to go through some of those moments here in a second. But before we do, just to give you a picture of the evening. You're a Pennsylvania voter. You turn on this debate. You're looking to see who you should win, who should win. Yes, it starts out with good night, everybody, as the first words. Then you have a whole lot of, oh, my God, moments. And then everybody signs off and the local broadcasters pick up the post coverage. And here's what they see then. We said this would be unlike any debate you have ever seen. Uh, and we perhaps understated uh, just how different uh, this would be. Uh, clearly, the biggest issue was John Fetterman's health and his ability uh, both to comprehend speech and then to speak coherently on the issues of the day. Do you think you should be able to do either of those two things as a U.S. senator? Comprehend speech and speak coherently on the issues of the day? Now, we know you don't need to speak coherently on the issues of the day if you're president. But I don't know. As a senator, I would kind of prefer that you, you could do that thing. The guy's gone through a lot. And what we saw last night was revolting in a, a, a bunch of different ways. Let me tell you a little bit more about the reaction. Fetterman faces fallout from disastrous debate. The worst performance by any candidate I have ever seen. That's not a quote you want after your big moment in the sun. Axios writes Fetterman's painful debate. And that is a great description because that is exactly what it was. 
Fetterman supporters voice concern that debate performance will sway undecided voters. It was tough, they say. You know, maybe your concern shouldn't be about whether he's going to sway undecided voters one way or another. And maybe your concern should be about the guy. Maybe your concern should be about the candidate and whether the rest of his life is going to be a catastrophe, whether he can handle it, whether he's getting medical attention that he needs. That might be the thing you should be concerned about instead. Now, of course, the Fetterman campaign knew. I got to be honest with you. A lot of people sat here and, and laughed about this. There are funny moments. I have struggled to find the comedy in this. Now, it's obviously absurd, but it is one of the most sad, depressing hours of television I've ever watched in my entire life. Watching this man, who obviously should not be on stage. It was like they just rolled out this guy who obviously couldn't do this, and the people behind him just kept saying, no, you got to do it, you got to do it, you got to do it. And I don't know, maybe he really wanted to. Maybe he was the one pushing this along. But it was one of the most depressing things I've ever seen in my entire life. And I don't, I'm not kidding. This is not a, oh, well, you're just, uh, you're, you're, you're pandering or you're, you're just, I don't know, trying to play to the audience. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I, I felt, <laughs> I felt like, that cringe feeling you feel when you're watching a, a show that's designed to be uncomfortable, you know, uh, like er, the first season of The Office, you know, like where everyone's just like, oh, my God, this is so uncomfortable. I felt that way watching this debate over and over and over again. And it just felt mean. It felt mean that he was on the stage. It was like someone played a trick on him and everyone knew he couldn't do it. And, and, and all the cool kids were behind the curtain laughing at the guy who couldn't form sentences on stage. It was like the movie Carrie, except no pig's blood. It was awful. Fetterman, comms director, tried to justify this. He said, Fetterman's comm, I love this, defends debate performance, says he took it to Dr. Oz pretty effing hard tonight. Did he? Did he? I mean, look, we all, we all the time talk about first responders, our military, people who have really difficult jobs, but the jobs of a PR hack to come out here and have to say the positive thing after watching that, they deserve our, our appreciation as well. What would we do without them? I, seriously, what would we do? That is, you should get extra pay. That's, that's, that's hazard pay right there you should be getting. Um, now, it went so badly that the PR people had to come out and blame the people to, trying to transcribe the debate if you didn't see the, up, uh, the sort of lead up to this, John Fetterman can't understand speech right now. That was what we were told the problem was. I will show you, without a doubt, that was not actually the problem, but that was what we were told the problem was, that he can't understand speech when it's spoken. He's having problems with auditory processing. Okay. Uh, all right. So what do they do? They put giant screens behind them, and someone typed out the words as it was happening. Like, experienced people were out there, typing up the entire conversation so that he could read it instead. Should be nice and easy. Well, uh, it did not help him. They then tried to blame the people doing the transcription. Uh, Nexstar then is the company. They, they said, uh, no, no. The Nexstar refutes Fetterman's campaign claims that closed captioning was filled with errors. It was not. In fact, they went so far that before the debate started, if you've ever watched closed captioning on your TV, you know it's kind of approximate, right? Like, they don't get every word perfectly. Sometimes, especially with names and things, they don't really know what it is. 
it's usually automated, so you're not necessarily understanding all of the words. They went out of their way before the debate started to say, guys, just so you know, we have professionals here doing this so we know it's accurate. It's not the same transcription you're going to see on your TV screen if you're looking at closed captioning. It's a different type of thing. We're doing this special. They had all these big things set up for John Fetterman to succeed. You know, it's like one of those things where Dr. Oz had to walk the course and John Fetterman got to take the cart. You know, they gave him every advantage they could to try to compensate for the problems he was having. Was it enough? It was not. It was not. I think, honestly, it was the most stunning display I've ever seen in my entire life. I've never witnessed anything like this in politics. It was absolutely horrible in every way. And I've been talking about John Fetterman for months. It's probably been the race we've most focused on because it's just a fascinating debacle. You have John Fetterman who has a stroke. He was a socialist before this. He was terrible before this. Then he has a stroke and he can't even say the socialist things he wants to say. And then he's going up against Dr. Oz. It's the most fascinating race uh, in the country right now. And it was one of those races that I told you back in the day when it was a 21-point lead for John Fetterman. I expect this to get a lot closer as we get closer to the election. We've talked about that a t- you know, hundred times on the show. Well, that has happened, and that all happened before this debate. Uh, just a fascinating scene. Let me show you some of the moments from it. Let's start with, I don't know, the good moments from John Fetterman. Uh, here he is trying to... Uh, well, let me, before I give you this, let me, let me give you one more piece of reaction, because this one is is I think the way people will react. Debates often don't change the, the trajectory of a race the way that I think we believe they do. Not every debate is Nixon versus Kennedy. That's, it's not always Reagan-Mondale. A lot of times these things, even when they feel like blowouts to you, might move the electorate a tiny bit, but maybe not much at all. Usually that's the case. Usually we feel like these things are overstated. And maybe this is the case again. But let me give you one independent voter uh, who is reacting to this debate after just watching it. This is incredible. So I was definitely, uh, I'm an independent, by the way. I was definitely leaning towards Fetterman. And I think I have totally changed to the Oz side. Why? I felt that um, Fetterman... I felt that Fetterman just looked like he didn't have command of the facts. I do think his condition, unfortunately, is going to affect his ability to do the job. I thought Oz uh, was pretty clear on the issues, um, and I thought he presented himself well and uh, definitely threw out some plans where I didn't see any plans coming out of Fetterman. A hundred percent. I think anybody who was persuadable felt just that way. Now, look. The guy who's shown up at Antifa rallies is still voting for Fetterman, okay? We know that. There's going to be a lot of people. He's not going to get shut out in this election. There's going to be a lot of votes he's going to get just because people are, generally speaking, ideological. They have one side, and nothing can really change their minds. That's 80% of the population. But the other people in the middle, I just don't see how you can watch this thing and see it any other way. Here we go. Fetterman talking about spending and, I guess, inflation. Has the Biden administration overspent? And if so, where do you think spending should be cut? You have 60 seconds. No, here's what I think we have to fight about inflation here right now. That's what we need to fight about inflation, you know, right now because it's a tax on working families, you know. I don't know. I will say I do not know. Thank you for asking me. If I know, I, I do not know. That's probably one of the best moments in the debate. Because you could kind of see where he was going, right? You spend too much, 
leads to inflation. Now, of course, he's just blaming his own party and he wants to spend even more than Joe Biden does. He's much more extreme than Joe Biden even is. He wanted to he you know, he's a Bernie Sanders guy. Uh, So he wants, you know, five, six trillion dollars of spending, not one or two. Uh, Here is uh, a question uh, about uh, the minimum wage with John Fetterman as he tried to get to the sort of uh, union sort of uh, populist vibe that he's sort of embraced. Now, we, we all have to make sure that everyone that works is able to. That's that's the most American bargain, that if you work full time, you should be able to live in dignity as well. True. And I believe they haven't have any businesses being being. Uh, you can't have businesses being subsidized by not paying ind- uh, individuals that just simply can't have to, to pay their own way. Again, I wanted to make sure that I showed you the best moments of the debate from Fetterman. It wasn't all bad. Some of it was like that. <sighs> Let's talk about fracking. Because fracking is was this is. I want to give you the lead. I don't even know what to say about this. I'm honestly, uh, hours and hours and hours later, I'm still pretty much speechless on this one. Let me give you the lead up to it. This is not the part that really struck me because I, I, I was, uh, I was jaw dropping aghast after watching his answer on this. I mean, this is just a huge problem. But here they are talking about fracking. Now they ask Oz the same question. Do we? I don't think I have that. We ask Oz the same question. Oz, hey, you made this comment in 2014 about fracking where you said you were kind of, you wanted to see more research before it really advanced. And then in 2022, you're saying you're for it. Now, of course, fracking, very important to Pennsylvania. Being for it is even for Democrats, usually the way you have to go if you want to win statewide election. Well, they asked that and, and, you know, Oz was okay on it. He said, you know, he went through his stance on it. Uh, It wasn't a, a particularly engaging moment of the debate. Then they went over to Fetterman. They gave him a quote from 2018 and a quote from 2022. Here's the beginning of how that played out. I absolutely support fracking. In fact, I live across the street from a a steel mill, and they were going to frack to create their own energy in order to make them more competitive. And I support that, living closer to anybody else in Pennsylvania for fracking to myself. I believe that we need independence with energy, and I believe I've walked that line my entire career. I believe Democrats... Mr. Mr. Fetterman, I do have a specific question, which you can continue on this topic, but you have made two conflicting statements regarding fracking. In a 2018 interview, you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. I never have. But earlier this month, you told an interviewer, quote, I support fracking. I support the energy independence that we should have here in the United States. So, Mr. Fetterman, please explain your changing position. 60 seconds. Uh, I've, I've always supported fracking. Well, we just played a quote uh, where you didn't support fracking. Now, that when they I can't even I can't even do this. Uh, This is just when they started the debate, they he kind of gave this pitch of, look, I might mash my words together. I might screw it up. I might have a couple words out of order. That's just, you know, that's that's stroke speaking. Sorry about that. They tried to kind of get out in front of of this particular issue that he was going to have. And that issue that that answer there was sort of down that road. Right. Gave weird answers. He was trying to kind of walk around the the point and trying to deny that he had changed his mind. And he's always supported fracking, as he pointed out. Okay, uh, all right. I mean, that was bad. And a lot there's a lot of moments of that quality. 
But I want to show you this one because this one's different. They decide to follow up on that question. And this is not a, a question of John Fetterman saying words out of order. It's not a question of him trying to access words. It's a totally different thing. He's trying to access the concept of an argument. He's trying to come up with any piece of reasoning that could possibly explain why he's changed his mind. And he's totally unable to do it. Not like I can't think of a word, not I've stumbled, not it's a problem with just a sentence or two. He literally can't think of anything in the moment to explain his position. Watch this. I do want to clarify something. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking, but there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? I, I, I do support fracking, and I don't, I don't, I support fracking, and I stand, and I do support fracking. That, uh, that's, I don't know, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, I'm not a doctor. Dr. Oz is a doctor, but I'm not a doctor. I will say, that is, what is happening there? What do you, how do you answer that question? You know what, 2018, I was, I was against it, but you know, I've, I've really done my research and I've changed my mind. That's one option. Uh, you know what, I gotta be honest with you, I don't even remember that interview. Uh, it doesn't seem like something I would have said. I, I will look into it and after uh, we get off the debate stage, I will, I will get an answer to you. I don't, I don't know the context of that moment and it does not make any sense. It does not align with, with what I've said over the years. Uh, but if, if that quote is right, uh, fine, but I, I, I will have to look back into that. It does not seem like my, my position. There's a hundred things you can say to that. What you can't say is, I've always supported fracking. And you can't just say it three times and stumble over it and keep repeating it. That's not him not unable to access a word, which happens to everybody every once in a while, and it happened to him thousands of times in that debate. That was him not being able to come up with the reasoning the, the conceptual idea of an argument to make. He couldn't think of anything. That's someone who is unable to communicate to other human beings, which I might remind you is a big part of the gig. This man should have never been on stage. What we saw last night was embarrassing. Embarrassing that the Democratic Party would allow this to occur, that they would drag this man out on stage to do that in front of millions of people is one of the most despicable things I've ever seen in politics. And that is saying a lot. There's a lot of despicable things I have seen in politics. This is, it was like watching Weekend at Bernie's. This guy should not be out there. It wasn't funny. And it was really disturbing, frankly. You know, I will also say it's one of the worst political decisions in history. If you are at the staff and you see, maybe two months ago you said, well, look, he'll improve, he'll be good enough to go by the time the debate rolls around. As you're getting closer and closer to this moment and you see what is occurring with your candidate, I don't care what you say, but what you don't do is show up to that debate. Katie Hobbs in Arizona won't debate Carrie Lake because just because simply she knows she's going to lose. 
So she doesn't want any part of it. John Fetterman had no chance. He had absolutely no chance to succeed. I don't care if you say he had uh, another appointment. I don't care if you say, you know what? Dr. Oz doesn't even, I don't I think he lives in New Jersey. I'm not going to debate some guy from New Jersey. Forget it. We're not doing a debate. Obviously, tweet all this. Don't actually have him say it. Uh, I don't care if it's, hey, he, you know what? They made it to the bowling league championship, and it's that night. So he's not going to be able to, to make this debate. You do anything to keep him out of that debate. You do anything to keep him out from in front of the American people. And, I, and, and look, that's, that's terrible for the voters of Pennsylvania. That's not what you should do for them. But just as a competent campaign, that should have occurred. But really, if, if there were good people involved in this, if it wasn't just heartless, soulless people propping up a person who's almost dead on stage to try to get uh, just an ounce more of power, what you would have done is months and months and months ago, after the stroke occurred, said, you know what? This guy, I think, would have been a great senator. But, you know, we, we've talked to him. It's not working so far. He needs health. He needs time with his health. And for that reason, he's going to be stepping down and we're going to be putting a new candidate up. This should have happened months ago. And honestly, if it had happened months ago, they'd have a much better chance of winning this election. An election that enters that debate as a toss up can't possibly be in reach for John Fetterman if anyone in Pennsylvania has any brain cells. And I'm pretty sure they do. This is a purple state. There's a lot of people who will go red or blue from election to election. Sometimes they'll vote for Donald Trump. Sometimes they'll vote for Joe Biden. Those people had to watch that debate and have the same feeling that you and I did. This is absolutely crazy. What are they asking us to do? The same guy who sat there and said, oh, my God, now I'm totally for Oz. You have to understand that that had to be thousands and thousands of people in Pennsylvania. And I will say this, for a guy who's pretty skeptical of Dr. Oz, everyone's going to remember that for the Fetterman performance. But Dr. Oz was actually pretty good. He did a good job in the debate. I think even if he was up against, you know, a real opponent, uh, he would have done and performed well in that debate. He didn't need to do that. All he needed to do was stand there because what we saw with John Fetterman was one of the most disturbing things that any of us have ever seen in politics. And I... For the people behind that who will now all go and leak how they were the ones who said he shouldn't do it. And they knew the whole time, but no one would listen to them. All those advisors who've been taking money from the Fetterman campaign this whole time, but didn't put a stop to this. You should be ashamed of yourself. So how do banks make money? They charge higher interest rates. They they love that. They take a lot more of your hard-earned money if your credit score is just okay because ScoreMaster, as, as you may know, can help you get that credit score up higher. It's the new science in accelerating credit scores, and it puts you in control of your money, not your bank. If your credit score is about 700, you're borrowing 500 grand to refinance your home. Starting with ScoreMaster could save you over 75 grand over the life of your loan. You want 75 grand? It's your money. Do you want it or do you want the banks to have it? That's the genius behind the ScoreMaster three-week rule where they say basically go to ScoreMaster, wait three weeks, let us get the score a little bit higher, maybe a lot higher, then go take out the loan because you will save with lower interest rates. The inflation situation that we have 
right now is obviously a big problem. And before you go and go through the whole uh, loan process and pay a higher interest rate, go to ScoreMaster, lower that rate, save some money, and push back against that inflation. It only takes a minute to get started, and you can get at 60 to 100 points in about three weeks. Life has enough regrets. Don't pay higher interest rates. Visit scoremaster.com slash stew. Get your special seven-day trial. Again, your special seven-day trial is waiting at scoremaster.com slash stew. It's scoremaster.com slash stew. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, let's bring in Alex Stein, host of Conspiracy Castle. Be sure to subscribe to that. If you have not already, Alex, how's it going? I'm doing well, you know, in this world we're living in. Times are tough, but I'm happy to be here on set with you right now, Stu. Good, very good. I feel like uh, John Fetterman was not happy to be on the debate stage when it all ended. No, he was short-circuiting, short-circuiting <laughs> and I think the only person that enjoyed it more than you and I was Dr. Oz. He yeah. was eating it up. You know, he was good. Yeah. I, I got to say, I, I, I don't know why that surprised me. I think because I've never heard him express a political opinion until basically yesterday. But, like, he's a good communicator, smart guy, was good in that format, I thought. Yeah, I mean, Fetterman did so bad. If there was an election and it was between John Fetterman or Joe Biden, I would vote for Joe Biden. I mean, Fetterman was that bad. He was that bad. I mean, Joe Biden can give a 20-minute speech, and 14 minutes are relatively okay. And then he has, like, his six minutes of stumbling and bumbling. That was not the case with Fetterman. Every single answer was absolutely incoherent. And I was really mad. He wore the same tie that he wore to meet Joe Biden. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't even <laughs> own two ties. And, you know, Jersey Giselle, his wife, I think she's the one that's really running the show. Yeah, that's what people say. By the way, I, I've worn this tie in every single episode. Yeah, but so you wear the same thing. It's different. That's your I mean, whole, you got the Blues Brothers vibe. Yeah. Black on black. <laughs> no, that looks good. Yeah. It's a little different when you're running for uh, governor of Pennsylvania. Well, he, you know, he's wearing hoodies every or, time. Or excuse me, Senate, not governor. Yeah, Senate. Me. He's wearing a hoodie most of the time. And then he has that one suit, which, I mean, he's a big guy. The mm-hmm. suit is two times as big as him. And he can't button his freaking no. collar. I'm like, what? go buy a shirt that fits. You're about to have one of the biggest debates in the nation. Mm-hmm. And, and how did he become lieutenant governor? Do you have to be elected to be lieutenant governor? Or do you I, get I, I feel like he just stumbled into the office one day. That's what I'm saying. He just, like, you know, ate the other lieutenant governor. And they said, all right, Fetterman, you're the, you're the new lieutenant governor. I mean, it's a mess. The whole country's a mess, though. Uh, you find this out all the time, unfortunately. I don't know why you, you decide to go out there and get in the middle of all this. Tell me about this, this latest incident. Well, Fetterman's very pertinent to this because this was in Pennsylvania. So I went to Penn State University and I was speaking at an event called Uncensored America. And that's a student organization that's at a few universities. And they booked myself and Gavin McInnes to go there and do a comedy show. And it wasn't just a comedy show. We were both doing about 30 minutes of comedy and we are going to do an open dialogue Q&A. So almost like a debate. So if students wanted to come and they had different ideas, come and ask questions. Yeah, we would Mm -hmm. answer any questions that people wanted. But no, Stu, like literally not only were the administrators saying that we're abhorrent and, you know, white supremacists, the students were literally radicalized to under any circumstance to shut this event down. So much so they had protesters at every entrance. So one of the reasons the show got the show got canceled is because the ticketed uh, customers couldn't even get in. 
because there was so much uh, hoopla at the entrances. So this was a coordinated attack to stop free speech. And at this thing, you know, if you play the clips, they constantly called me a fascist. And I believe I'm not an expert in fascism, but I think Benito Mussolini described fascism as a merger of corporation and state. Mm. And I'm anti-establishment. I don't want the you know corporations to run America, which they already are. So I'm not a fascist. So these kids are just radicalized, confused, and I'm almost empathetic to them because they're they're just so you know low IQ right now. Right, and and like. If there's anything that's close to fascism in the story you just told me, it's shutting people up, right? It's telling people that have different opinions that they can't speak. One one thousand percent. I mean, it's like what is it? there's an old saying: "Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me." <laughs> right. It's like did nobody ever teach these kids that? Yeah, and especially on college campuses. I think this is one of the reasons why this is so disturbing. Uh, this anti-speech movement at college campuses is because. The whole thing's designed to explore crazy views. You know, the reason why they have tenure for teachers is so they can have these views that are out of the mainstream and try to talk to the kids about them. They love utilizing this when they're promoting communism. They love the tenure thing then, but they don't want, for some reason now they don't want other voices, yourself, you know, everybody really on the right, anybody who's even leaning right, they don't even want you on campus. Yeah, Stephen Davis at UC Berkeley, his event got, uh, they call him MAGA Hulk. He's a turning point ambassador. They shut down his event. They shut down, you know, any conservative voice they basically shut down the event so it's really kind of a sad uh harsh reality when these kids go to these schools it's pure indoctrination Mm. so maybe they go in apolitical or non-political and they get radicalized by their you know women and gender studies teacher (laughs) and then it's just off to the races with hate and they're the ones that are actually they say that we're full of hate they're the ones that are literally hawking loogies at us assaulting me they're the ones that are filled with hate now you mentioned that they're hawking loogies at you. Mm-hmm. I, we have some very revolting footage of this. Uh, but before we get to it, can you kind of set it up? Like, what was happening? Why were you in the middle of these people? Okay, so how it worked was uh, we got there. Gavin and I got there at, like, 5.30 p.m., and they put us inside of the, uh, you know, the big... We were in a big lecture hall, like mm-hmm. a regular classroom is where we were going to do the speech. And then they, we had a little green room. It was just kind of a small classroom next to it. So they had the cameras, had everything set up. And all these protesters are at every exit. So if you just want to walk out, you're going to run into these protesters. And so what I thought is, you know, I'm a content you know, creator, of course. I'm like, well, let me go outside and just ask them some questions. Like, just even have an open dialogue and say, what is your problem with me? You know, why don't you like me? You know, what, what do you have against me? As soon as I got out there, it was like a dog that's chasing a car. <laughs> Once a dog catches up to the car, they have no idea what to do with a bumper. Right. And that's exactly what it was. When I went out there, it was just, just, you know, yelling in my face, nothing coherent, <laughs> and absolute madhouse. Now, you, what did you expect? To, did you really expect that they were going to engage you in some civil manner, or did you kind no, of just think it would be funny? I thought it would be funny, I mean, of course, and I yeah. thought it would be interesting, but the fact that I would get assaulted or spit on, mm. or some of the stuff they said that, that I should have been aborted, they said they made fun of my mother being, you know, passed away, I mean, they said the most oh disgusting things. I mean, I, I get that on the internet quite a bit, so that's not new, but when you get it in person, it's different, and, and like, this is the other thing, is they want to use fear and intimidation tactics they have their face covered. That was the other weird thing. It's like if you're really, you know, if you really stand by what you're saying, show your face. But it was a lot of kids, and I would say half of them were hiding behind masks, yelling and screaming so that they couldn't be identified. They just care about COVID too much. You know, they don't want to spread. <laughs> well, speaking spread the of virus. that, you know, the, yeah. the girl that spit on me, I definitely have COVID now. I'm sure I have it oh, from good. her spit. So good. thank you for coming. <laughs> <into it. laughs> um, uh, let's uh, see the footage if, if we dare. <laughs> Oh, 
That's assault, brother. Dehydrated, but this this is what I mean. We, you know, there as people were watching this, you see her. She's looking at you like she's possessed. Yeah, like a demon is inside of her. as She plans this spitting routine where she spits on the shoulder of your suit, which is a very I don't know. I mean, in some ways, a refined place to spit. Yeah, no, at least it wasn't on my face. And like, yeah. that's what people were saying. They're like, you should press charges against her. You know, I'm gonna, we're going to end up suing uh, Penn State because they limited free speech and it's a public university. So, they, you know, they could be liable to a civil rights lawsuit. But her spitting on me, if it would have been, you know, a 300-pound Antifa guy, I might not have reacted the same. But the fact that it's a little girl, it's like, let me just laugh. Let me just be jovial because that's what actually makes him oh, they mad. Hate they hate that. They cannot oh. stand you. If you're laughing and having a good time... They hate that more than anything. It's one of my favorite parts of what you do is that you you always do it with a smile. That you, you're never you never look angry. You're just out there with the biggest smile in the world, and you're filming yourself, and you're just saying, "Hey, like, look what's going on. Can you believe what you're seeing right now?" It's that you, you feel like you're almost there, and that. But I don't have to have spit on me, which is nice. Well, it's basically like a reality TV, and that's really where I kind of made my name is by culture jamming, just putting up a mirror to the absurdity of the left wing ideologies that you know all these kids are under. Yeah. So all I had to do is just put a camera in selfie mode, and you're like, "This is what these kids are doing," and now it gets millions of hits on the internet. So <laughs> it's it's not that hard to expose these people. Tell me about you getting uh, what happened with the Dallas City Council. Oh my gosh. I I was watching a video of yours and it seems like they have like developed most of the time they now spend is just how to stop you from coming to these meetings. <laughs> no, seriously, they have they run like a hundred fifty million dollar budget, even more than that, and they're spending hours and they spent over an hour and a half at their last meeting talking about how they can change the public comment. And the reason why they kind of shoot themselves in the foot is because if they limit the public comment, which they don't want me to speak at, and they mention me, you know, they say Alex Stein is causing a disturbance. But even the people that hate me the most, they say, well, it's only three minutes, and he can only speak once a month. But still. Me speaking for three minutes once a month is making them change their whole entire meeting procedure and theoretically and likely that they're <laughs> going to limit the free speech and maybe they're, they're, they're uh, talking about making it just one day of the month where they have a public comment portion and getting rid of it. So I actually feel kind of guilty that I'm causing them to do this. And then California as well put in legislation where they can, uh, you know, get rid of disruptive speakers, as they call it, because there are so many people speaking at school boards. So for me, listen, Stu, I'm going to be honest with you. I love the clicks. I just got verified on Instagram. Oh, I'm, wow. I'm, thank very you. nice. Well, I'm saying I love all that. But I'm not virtue signaling when I say this. My favorite thing is when people message me and they send me a video and they're like, this is me at my city council. This is me at my school board meeting. That makes me feel the best because I feel like that's how we win this culture war. Because I can't stand up for everybody. You can't stand up for everybody every night. People need to stand up for themselves. So if I can encourage somebody to do that, then I actually do feel good about that. Yeah, because I mean, I I think I knew that you could go to a public meeting Mm -hmm. and make comments. But like, and you see those videos would would pop out every once in a while until I saw you doing it this often, though. I didn't realize how accessible or how often it occurred. I mean, you while, yes, a lot of the stuff you're doing is funny or it's trying to illustrate the absurdity of the moment. You're making a lot of times really important points. And you're seeing now people from all across the country who maybe be inspired by your videos or some other people. And they're going and they're making maybe not as much comedy, but making real points and trying to get their voice out there. And you nailed it. Like, you don't have to be a goofball like me and wear a women's <laughs> bathing suit. Go up there and speak earnestly because it is cathartic when people go and speak. Even if their speech doesn't go viral or doesn't even go the way they plan, they always feel better because you get it's kind of like that monkey off your back. And the other thing, too, is is Jose Vega. There's a really I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he was the guy that protested 
protested AOC in New York City at her town hall. Mm. And Jose Vega, that went super viral where, you know, they all yelled at her and they called her a Ukraine, uh, you know, a leftist, basically war hawk or however you want to describe it. And he sent me a message that I was encouraged by your big booty Latina video <laughs> to go call out ASC. So you don't know. You never know what encourages somebody to go stand up for themselves. That's true. You never know. Uh, tell me about what you're doing this weekend. You're going to be in Florida. I'm going to be in Florida. I'm uh, doing the Orlando Improv. If you guys want to buy tickets, there's still a few for sale. It'll be this Thursday night. It's going to be insane. I'm going to be with some other great comedians. But let me tell you something. I've been on the go. I've been traveling. I think that's like, you know, how... How do I get my message across is going out there and creating content, but not just in Dallas and uh, seeing the world. So this is just going to be another example of I hope the, the, the Orlando Improv have gotten some calls to have this event shut down, too. But I don't think they will. So. <laughs> and then you're doing some big four. What is it? 40. Oh, hour my live. gosh. You yes. No, and you're going to watch it. I'm going to send you the links, too. No, yeah, we're yeah, doing them. Yeah. A 48-hour live stream at the Content House, and this is going to be in Orlando, Florida. So if you guys are you know, not doing anything, it'll be on the Compound Media uh, YouTube page, and we're going to be live for 48 hours in multiple rooms. We're going to have a swimming pool. We're going to have costumes. We're going to have – it's <laughs> going to be insane. Vladimir Zelensky might show up on Zoom. Oh, show. really? Oh, and I want to say this. I forgot to make this point. Yeah. For the people at home, the jacket that the co-ed spit on, we're going to auction that off, and all <laughs> proceeds are going to go to Vladimir Zelensky because we need to give another $10 billion <laughs> to the Ukraine. I think you'll get $10 billion for it. I hope. I mean, you should, at least. At, at least, least. 9.5. Compound is uh, Anthony Cumia's That's Cumia, uh, company, yeah, right? Opie and Anthony. Oh, and, and, very cool. And he's a you know legendary broadcaster. But this is the other thing is you know they get censored like crazy. So make sure to subscribe to Blaze TV, subscribe to Compound Media. There's a few media companies that are uh, still allow free speech. And uh, luckily, I'm a part of one of them. And uh, there's just very few out there. Yeah, we love having you, Alex. Thank you so much for doing it. Uh, Alex Stein, host of Conspiracy Castle. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the program and uh, taking that loogie. It was very impressive. <laughs> it, was like, it was like a Zapruder film. It yeah. was really impressive. Uh, thank you so much for doing the it. The spit heard round the world. <laughs> Back in a second. You know, buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things that you can do, and it can be a lot worse if you're not working with the right agent. Generally speaking, our homes are our biggest investment, and that's a lot of responsibility for whoever you're working with. If you have an agent uh, that can take this seriously, the, the deal's going to come out a lot better, whether you're buying a home or selling a home. That's why we always talk about realestateagentsitrust.com. If you go there, you will get the best agent in your area. That's how this thing works. All you got to do is tell them where you are, and they will hook you up with the best agent in your area, the person with the most results, someone who's already been screened. Uh, so you don't have to just kind of guess at who the best real estate agent is. This is a company that started by Glenn many years ago, and uh, thousands of listeners have used it and had great results. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. Give them some basic info, and they will contact you to make an introduction to the preferred agent in your town. Realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. It's time for another episode of Biden's newest low. Yes, we do it seemingly every day. Uh, his newest low in the polls. Uh, this one in the Reuters Ipsos poll, 39% approval rating. His latest low from Reuters. Uh, this has not been uh, very, very good for Joe Biden. And now Americans are suffering from recession fatigue, a report finds. What is recession fatigue? I mean, first of all, we're very spoiled as a country. We're getting tired by the recession. I, know. <laughs> I get tired from walking, so I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, they're basically saying that, like, there's been some pain. We're not in a full-blown recession or depression, but people are just tired of constantly worrying about it because things look so bad. That's not a good thing. Then you have Marty Walsh. 
Who is Marty Walsh? Well, I'll tell you who Marty Walsh is. He's the Secretary of Labor, and he's on CNBC, and he said a catastrophe is coming for the economy, but it's not recession or inflation, says the Secretary of Labor, uh, Marty Walsh. Well, what is it? It's the border. Now, you might say, okay, wow, uh, someone in the Biden administration is pointing this out, that the border is that big of a problem? Eh, Not exactly. He says, every place I've gone in the country and talked to every major business, every small business, every single one of them, this is very definitive, is saying we need immigration reform. (laughs) Do you own a business? Did you say that to him? (laughs) I I don't know. No variety at all. They all want his immigration uh, reform plan. We need comprehensive immigration reform. They want to create a pathway for citizenship into our country, and they want to create better pathways for visas into our country. Now, he describes, of course, Shockingly, that everyone he talks to wants exactly the thing that the Democratic Party wants, which is a surprise. But he does kind of wreck the Republicans, too, and criticize their approach. He says one party is showing pictures of the border. How dare they show the pictures of what's happening at the border? What a bunch of bastards. By the way, this is going to stun you after this segment, but the midterm elections outlook is uh, darkening for Biden's White House. Yeah. I mean, you know, we go through some I've been showing you as we do these updates on the chalkboard of the Senate and and all these polls, how we're moving these races from leaning left to toss ups to leaning right. We've done that a bunch of times. That's part of the picture. But even the mainstream outlets who are looking at this and it's you know, it's not just me and my chalkboard, but people running all the algorithms and all those things, the 538s of the world and, and all of those. They're all seeing the same thing. Massive movement to the right. Potential red wave coming. We will see as we get closer. Less than two weeks away, boys and girls. You know, almost one out of every five Americans never have a chance to live outside the womb because of abortion. It's a scourge on our society and a terrible... um, X on our country's history. It's, uh, to me, on the level of what we saw back uh, in the founding era with slavery and, you know, not too many other things. It's that bad. Over 63 million babies have been aborted since just Roe versus Wade was enacted, and a lot more will be aborted in its wake. The Ministry of Preborn and Blaze Media are partnering up to make sure we can rescue 50,000 babies from abortion in 2022. They need your help to do it, though. Uh, they're providing uh, free ultrasounds to expecting mothers, and 80% of the time, when they hear the baby's heartbeat, it's enough to convince her to have a baby. And when she chooses life, Preborn provides maternity and baby clothes, uh, diapers, car seats, counseling, much, much more free of charge. That's their commitment to the preservation of life. Over the past 15 years, preborn centers have counseled over 450,000 women, stopped over 188,000 abortions. Will you help save babies' lives? You can by dialing pound 250 if you use the keyword baby. Pound 250, the keyword is baby, or you can just go to the website, preborn.com slash stew, preborn.com slash stew. Long time ago, I coined the phrase, I believe that children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Yeah, that was me. And something I really, really believe. And that's why I made sure to give my kids TikTok accounts right out of the womb. Second they were born, out the birth canal, right on TikTok. That's the way you should do it. And that's the way we're parenting here in the United States. And you thought, well, maybe 
things might not be going well. Are we making sure that the next generation is getting the facts that they need? Of course, yes. That's why more Americans are getting news on TikTok, bucking the trend of other social media sites. Now, of course, Twitter was already bad enough. But what could work out better for our country than handing over 26% of our children uh, in the younger age groups under 30 who are getting their news from TikTok? Why not hand them directly over to the Chinese government? What could possibly go wrong? Is there something that could possibly go wrong when you have the Chinese government designing algorithms to present news to American youth? I can't think of anything. If you have something, drop it in the comments below because I can't think of one possible negative outcome that could be associated with this behavior. You can comment on YouTube. A lot of people like the Flem Lasky Velveeta stuff coming back yesterday. Best intro ever. Love this stupid show. Got to vote my conscience, though. Can't vote for the guy who go- voted against pet medical leave. My great Dane requires constant care due to chronic diarrhea. Also, Velveeta was in my fraternity. Used to make great nachos. Save the children or don't. Can't remember. Also, don't give fake cheese to your great Dane. Just some good advice. The show isn't even started yet, and I'm already rolling on the floor laughing. Vote Harold Flemlasky, November 8th. Flemlasky is back, baby. Names do matter. I don't like Velveeta, and it really matters who's spitting the said loogies. That one, we ended on a disturbing note tonight. Lots of spitting talk in this particular program. Sorry.